0: Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Blitz. Oh, he's pointing at me. That means it's time to start the podcast. Professional. Broadcast. Podcast. (coughs) Keep in mind, we are the stunt doubles here. Yes, we are. It's Rick and Nick. Talk flicks as professional
1: as we can muster. I feel like that was a disclaimer that you threw in there, and now I'm a little concerned why we needed a disclaimer. Now I feel like we're going to
0: be playing catch-up the whole rest of the podcast. you oh, He boy. said it was going be a professional show. What are you making me listening to, honey? Well, I'm the uh, slightly less professional this morning, Dave Brooks.
1: I'm Joel Hoover. I, I try to be professional as best as possible. You know, with the... With the marvelous picture that you put together for this podcast, the marvelous cartoon image, there's there's a guy who's dressed almost suit-like, and then there's a guy who's just, it's just like he's roll, yeah, rolling up off the street, he's got maybe a <laughs> coffee in hand, and he's he's got the beard going on and stuff too, and I don't know. Did you think those were coincidental? No, I, I was about <laughs> to say, I, I feel like there's a very clear indication of who is which character there, but... You can tell they are still pals. It's a subtle
0: hint. Just looking at that picture, you know what you're in for.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's the kind of dichotomy that exists, but it's part of what makes this podcast fun.
0: And that's what Missy and the crew at the Bemidji Theater love so much with CEC Theaters. You're going to find them right off of Highway 2, more or less between Bemidji and Wilton. Great times to go see a show. And if you get online to CECTheaters.com, that's the only reliable online source you're going to find for times and ticket prices and so forth don't forget tuesdays who i don't know what you got going on on tuesdays but i think you better change your mind and get over there Five fi- 550 they've changed the price a little bit now
1: 550 yes
0: tickets for any show anytime third a tuesday and they've got popcorn deals and all kinds of goodies this is the place to go this go get a snack go see a show movies are back and starting this weekend black panther is back sort of there's going to be some adjustments because we do know that Chadwick Boseman is no longer with us unfortunately but his uh his legacy will live on as an actor and as the character of King T'Challa
1: and we're going to see how Wakanda will move forward without their king that's right Yes. so we'll start seeing that here this weekend there is a college deal as well is there not right Dave yes there is tell me about that so I'm well I'm trying to find the details again regarding it so it's it's going with your student id
0: you're going to get a big discount and i know it's on a specific night that at the moment escapes me but Hoove is playing my shortstop role so he'll scoop up that ball and throw it over to first here in just a bit
1: i was trying to find it yeah
0: long story short whether you go on a night where there's a deal or there's not a deal it's bemidji theaters and you go compare them to other places you got that deal
1: i found it amy had texted us this and had that detail Student Night Thursdays, $6 admission for students and faculty of all ages. Student Night Thursdays, $6 admission available at the Bemidji Theater.
0: And this isn't just Student Night of a specific school. This is Student Night. High school, college, I suppose if you've got a friend that's visiting from out of town, from St.
1: Thomas or something, he could probably get into. And yes, it is for faculty as well, not just for students, but also for faculty. You might as well call it school night Thursday. Yeah, and not just
0: teachers. Faculty, that means if you are in charge, if you're teaching, if you're sweeping floors, if you're wiping, uh, wiping off the chalkboards, if they still have chalkboards at schools, uh, they have smart boards now. I feel like I've walked into the 24th century. It's Lots awesome. Lots smart boards, yeah. Awesome. We never had that when I was a kid. So if you're the smart board operator, that means you.
1: That's right. Yeah. So $6 nights on Thursdays for those in that category. So, yes, um, you mentioned Black Panther. That's one of the big storylines and topics of the week is the fact that we are just about at the release of Black Panther. I'm sure, Dave, it's going to be a very emotional one, of course, with honoring Chadwick Boseman. And that's going to be part of the movie, too, I would imagine. And I think it's been talked about that there's going to be a little bit of that involved, too. But everyone wants to see how is the Wakanda story going to be continued here in Wakanda forever, as it follows up on the amazing success of the original Black Panther.
0: You know, and interesting enough, that was part of the storyline of the original Black is who gets a chance to, to rule Wakanda, and briefly, King T'Challa loses the crown, only to get it back, of course. But even the role of Black Panther, it's like Zorro. There isn't one person that is Zorro. The mask and the cape get passed down and passed down, and maybe that's the case of what it is with Black Panther. You've got the fan theory that James Bond is actually a code name in and of itself, and it's actually different agents. Did you know, just real quick down the rabbit hole, that they were talking about getting Sean Connery to do the role that Albert Finney did in Skyfall as Kincaid? Basically, the Skyfall ranch, if you want to call it that, isn't really... James Bond's ancestral home, but it's basically a retirement community for those who have been James Bond, code word. Really? And Sean Connery. They never approached him about it, so it never got that far, but that was the original intent. I'm what I'm, if it's a retired former agent Double O seven slash former agent James Bond, both being code words? Did you know that? I
1: did not know that. Wouldn't that have changed everything? I'm glad they didn't go that route because that would have been a little bit too meta and a little bit too, whoa, wait a minute. What's going on here? I think that's why
0: they didn't do it. It would have taken you right out of the movie because all of us, well, huh? Now it's all about Sean Connery is back. And I, I think they did the right decision. But at the same time, I'm not sure how I would have felt about it if they would have done it, but I'm glad they didn't. Same reason as you, I think.
1: I'm not seeing a whole lot. That's out there regarding reviews so far for Wakanda forever, what I am seeing though is extremely impressive there's There's a little bit floating out there that I'm seeing, and apparently quite good. I think quite good.
0: We're recording this on a Tuesday morning. I gotta think as early as sometime this afternoon, maybe tomorrow is when the early reviews are gonna start coming in,
1: but uh unless they've really dropped the ball. This is I think this is going to be big. Well, yeah, I would expect there's going to be a lot of people out to see this movie for for many many different reasons, but certainly how successful it was the first time around, how well made it was, like all of that's going to be poured into this and of course then to the emotional element that'll be with the movie as well.
0: And on top of that, I don't know if it's this weekend or next weekend, but the new Knives Out. Glass Onion is coming. But I don't I think it's going to get a very limited theatrical release, but essentially it's going directly to Netflix. And yeah. You saw the first one? I did. That was good. I'm Loved looking it. forward to seeing this one.
1: Loved it. Thankfully yeah. I have
0: Netflix. You can come over.
1: <laughs> I have I have Netflix as well. And actually, speaking of Netflix, another movie that just recently was released that's gotten some attention that's out there is the newest version of All Quiet on the Western Front, which has been done twice over and now has a third version that has been made. The really, really famous one is the early 1930s version of the story, which is based on, on a novel that was written. And then you have the early 1930s version. There was a 1970s version, which I have seen and now there's a new version of it that has been done and is available now on Netflix and has gotten some pretty powerful reviews that have been out there for it. Some have said it's not quite on the level of the original original that was made but still is quite a good anti-war movie that you get out of out of World War 1 and a pretty pretty uh pretty powerful one to watch and to take in. So that also is out there right now and is currently on Netflix.
0: You know, this weekend being uh, Veterans Day Friday and, of course, the weekend, a lot of war movies would come in handy. We've done an episode about war movies. You can look into the archives and see that. But I always find, as you get closer to the Thanksgiving season, kind of like Thanksgiving meal itself, maybe something, something a little on the heavy side is a good way to go. And maybe something fun, definitely something serious. But um, maybe not Uncle Buck, but maybe something... Well, we've got some ideas for you. We did this last year, some uh, cornucopia of Thanksgiving watching a Nice palooza. transition there, Dave. And now we've got a, it's a whole other year. You've watched all of those. Now you're sitting here with an entire Netflix queue full of things you don't want to watch because you're waiting for us to suggest what you should watch.
1: Well, what you should watch, I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to go about it. We're going to give you some ideas. We're going to give you some places where you can go to look for some movies. Some of these might be ones that Dave and I have watched in the last year, maybe for the first time. Or maybe they're one that just really suits the vibe of Thanksgiving break really well and all that comes with it. Because Thanksgiving break is a nice time. There's there's some time off in there. You've got Black Friday, the weekend, maybe on Thanksgiving evening as well, where you're settling in going, I'd like to put a movie on right now, and you're perhaps spoiled for choice, you've got some options out there, maybe maybe you're okay with doing what I like to do, checking out what's on TCM, Turner Classic Movies, and maybe watching something there, but maybe you want something very specific that you want to be able to watch, so we're here to provide some ideas today.
0: You know... A couple years ago, for my birthday, maybe it was Christmas, maybe, I don't remember, my wife got me a movie poster that's on the wall, but it's like a lotto ticket where it's got scratch-off things on it, and according to the people that put the poster together, it's the 100 movies you should see before you die. Well, most of them I could scratch off from the get-go. I was like, well, that's no fun, but we moved into the house we're in maybe just a few years before that, and it occurred to me, you know what I'm going to do? I can't, like, for example, Back to the Future. I have probably legitimately seen that movie 100 times. Uh, I couldn't scratch that off because I hadn't seen it yet in this house. So that's where the scratch poster comes in. And, of course, its I don't agree with everything that's on the poster. And I think there's some things that are missing that should be on the poster. But it's its the spirit of fun. And so filling the house with this really cool vibe of positive energy and good shows, if you believe in that kind of thing. So maybe what we're going to suggest is something that could help fill your Thanksgiving feast or the laid up to it or out down from it with some really good
1: shows you may have missed the first time. Quick sidebar, how far along are you now in watching those items on the poster?
0: I am somewhere between half and three quarters. I haven't counted. There's 100, so I don't know exactly. And some of them... I've admitted I've seen, but I've never I've, – like Clockwork Orange is on there. I've seen it. I don't want to watch it again. I so that's a freebie. want to watch
1: it myself. That's yeah.
0: a freebie. I got to scratch that one off because I'm not going to watch it again. But then there's a few others that, I mean, I, I know they're on the list, but I don't really want to see them. I mean, I, okay, fine, but I'm not driven to see them. Truman Show, for example, I've seen that several times, but I haven't watched it at home yet, so still not scratched off. I know it's on there. It's a good movie. I'll get around to it. That might be a good one to recommend for this Thanksgiving week, but I haven't watched it yet
1: here. That's a good way to segue into a question that I have to kick off this. Is there a certain vibe of movie or certain types of vibes of movies that you think are really suitable for the thanksgiving break or is it just kind of how you might be feeling over the break
0: i think it really depends on who you have at the house for one if it's if you got kids around then you got to do something family friendly uh in which case like an uncle buck would go great those those classics that the older generations know and love sound of music seems to be real popular around thanksgiving time and that would be a good one i would think that might be good for springtime too um what else? Uh, it really kind of depends on your vibe. Like like I say, if it's just me, myself, and I, I kind of like something that's good and filling, but also a little on the heavy side. Um Good viewings. Maybe it's something that, that just, it
1: has a little bit of emotional punch to it. Yeah.
0: Like. like I I remember the last cornucopia I recommended Scent of a Woman Al Pacino. Great movie. It's it's breezy, but it's also got some weight to it, and it's set around Thanksgiving, so it works pretty well. And it was on my list last time we did this. Uh, so something like that. It's got a lot of everything. I wouldn't call it a comedy, but it does have elements. But it's a it's a drama, straight up. But it's also got its moments of brevity, and the, the speech at the end is just awesome. So something along those lines is something I would like. If you want me to start, I can also use it as a segue if you'd like.
1: Sure, go for it. Let's we'll
0: stick with Al Pacino, The Godfather. Ooh. One and two, they very much go together. Now, I'd seen one and two a bunch of times, and I'd never seen the third one until uh, I think earlier this year or last year and i there's a reason why i wasn't running up to go see yeah. godfather part 3 yeah I'm, I'm it's been seen it's been done all right now when i go back and watch them again i've just i've seen the third one i'm going to leave it at that when he's when when you've got when you've got uh, the godfather sitting alone in his chair at, at utah and you know that you know it's all done for him it's all downhill from here that's good enough it's the fall of michael corleone that's coming you could see it coming but it hasn't begun yet i don't want to see the third one maybe again but uh the first two boy talk about it. its family so you got togetherness with the family getting together the family is the godfather it's i like the sepia tone it just kind of works for thanksgiving vibe i think it's uh it's what a great show it is its own feast for many different reasons
1: the godfather movies are ones that frequently are on cable networks yes. during thanksgiving break as well it seems like it's a good time to watch a sweeping epic of that kind of nature, and how about not just one but two as well? Those Who does just one helping at Thanksgiving? Come yeah, on, I'll those, have seconds. Those are the kind of movies that you can sit down and watch with an extended break period, like the one that Thanksgiving provides. And yeah, you've got the themes of family in there. If if you like a little bit of a mob slash gangster type movie, yeah, The Godfather is definitely the way to go, and The Godfather Part Two, one of the best sequels of all time as well, which has a a little bit of a different kind of feel with the timelines that are in there with that movie and the way that it jumps between the past and the present. So that's a choice that actually I had in my mind, in the back of my mind, because I've seen that on cable TV so often during the Thanksgiving break. So it's funny that you brought it up as an option to watch.
0: You know, it's funny, The Godfather came out before I was born. So it was one of those things you always knew that it was a you know a big deal and I hadn't seen it. It was like let's let's watch it. it was in college and a bunch of us we decided we're gonna watch The Godfather. And this we went and rented it back when you could go to the video store and rent it. And we were all, I don't know, some of the people in the room, this is kind of old by the time this movie was over, everybody sat down and shut up and watched this thing. It was good. It's It's legendary for reasons, not just the people involved. Francis Ford Coppola, who directed it. Mario Puzo wrote the book, which this was based on, and the, the movie came very shortly after the book. Um, but the cast you've got Marlon Brando, you've got, uh, and I'm I'm factoring in all the movies, not just the first one, Brando, De Niro, who comes around in the second one, to basically play a younger version of Brando's character, of Don Corleone, and they both won the Oscar for it. Um, Of course, Al Pacino's in it, you've got Talia Shire, you've got uh, James Caan, you've got uh, a whole cornucopia of folks, and uh, if you really want to say Andy Garcia in the third one, fine, But it's the third one, so it is what it is. It's it's a great movie. It is violent. You don't want to watch it with the kids, so you want to make sure you've got mature family watching it with you. But, you know, they say that Saddam Hussein used that movie as a template to organize his – I know, I see your face, and my face does the same thing. He made all his new lieutenants when they came in watch The Godfather to understand how things are going to work here. And as dysfunctional a family movie as this is – Answers some questions. There's sort of an interesting tidbit of trivia there. Oh, boy. But a lot of mafia guys, a lot of this stuff was written up in the book, which, of course, made it into the movie. There was just something that the author came up with. Life imitates art. There's a lot of people that are now in organized crime and the underworld and whatever you want to call it that have adopted parts of this book slash movie into the real world. That only was invented for the story and not in real life, but has now become part of real life. It's interesting how much people look at this as almost like a Bible as to how organized crime works.
1: Boy, that's quite a way to describe it. (laughs) So
0: it'll make for a great Thanksgiving watch. Yeah. But it really will.
1: So... I was thinking along the lines of late autumn with some of my ideas that I had. I had I, – there are certain movies that I have on my list that are definitely a feel kind of movie. And if you, if you are looking for the feel of late autumn, I've got a couple of ideas that are out there. And one of them that I have is actually a bridge from our last – conversation that we had on the podcast talking about Alfred Hitchcock movies. So that was our last episode that we had. You can, of course, check out the archive wherever you're listening. You can find the old episodes. We talked about Hitchcock movies in there. I had two that I put on my list as some ideas of ones that perhaps you could give a try during the Thanksgiving break if you've not gotten to watch them after the suggestions that we gave last time. So one of them, it's not necessarily a a fall movie, but it's one that I, I think... When it comes to Hitchcock's filmography is one that hasn't been quite seen quite as often or isn't quite as known about, depending on the circles you run in. But it's the man who knew too much. And it's it's one that kind of hops around many different locations and is is sort of the a, a ransom movie. Because you have the son of characters who are played by James Stewart and by Doris Day, who has been kidnapped. And it's part of this larger conspiracy that is going on. There's some music involved with that, with the conspiracy too. And so Stewart and Day are trying to get their son back and trying to to jump through a variety of hoops to do it while also trying to work against this sinister organization. So there, there's a lot of factors that are in play with it, but there's, it, there's a real element of jumping from place to place, which is classic Hitchcock that's in there. So if you want something that's a little bit different and, yeah, is known, I mean, K. Seurat is a very well-known song, but if, if you want something that's a little bit different out of his filmography, building off of what we just did an episode out of, I would suggest that one. I would also suggest a movie that both Dave and I gave gave some good some good credence to that is definitely an autumn movie or a fall movie. You will you will think of classic fall colors when you watch The Trouble with Harry, which we talked about in the last episode is this dark comedy and at the center of it there is a corpse that is involved with this movie. That that is Harry. That's at the center of this when in fact a little bit of a spoiler here, bit of a big spoiler. The corpse is actually a bit of a MacGuffin for larger things that are going on here and that are character-to-character character kind of things that are happening. But the corpse keeps the plot moving along, even though it actually serves as kind of a background piece at times for larger elements that are in play with what is actually a dark comedy. It, it was Shirley MacLaine's film debut. Uh, she's in that one. John Forsythe is in it as well as a few others. And it's there's a bit of charm to the movie too there's uh, in the midst of the dark comedy elements of it there's there's a, a certain element of charm that comes with it and boy the the setting is as autumn-esque as it gets with wonder if the they filmed it up in vermont. vermont yeah oh and the, it was at a time too where hitchcock's movies just popped off the screen with the color of them i mean it was it was technicolor in all caps and it's pretty spectacular when you see it all on screen. It's
0: the least Hitchcockian of all the Hitchcock movies that I think I've seen all but maybe one or two, and it is, it's is—it's a straight-up comedy. It's a, what it is. It, there's some sinister elements, clearly. There's a body in a field. Uh, seems to be some trouble with Harry. Uh, it appears that he's dead, madam. Yes, it appears that would be a trouble. That's basically what the movie is in a lot of ways, but it's the people that run across him. Now, what do you have to do? you've discovered this body? How many people run across the body, and how many don't really do anything about it is another interesting part, but it's yeah, I get where you're going with it's a it's not uh yeah, it would be kind of fun. Maybe some leftover Halloween hangover leaking into your into your Thanksgiving, but yeah, that would be a good one. I would recommend
1: yeah, there's a certain wistfulness I think that comes with fall and some some melancholy as well as some uh, some nostalgia attached to it. Maybe you'll just be simply nostalgic for an earlier time in this very season when the colors were on the trees a little bit more. So there's a couple of ideas bridging off of our last episode that I, I wanted to bring into this one too of Hey, if you didn't go with some of the more common Hitchcock movies like Dave and I had talked about in the last episode, here's a couple of ideas out of that last episode that would be good for Thanksgiving break.
0: You know, one that something you said without intending to kind of popped something into my mind that got another movie on my list that wasn't on my list that's worth bringing up. It's one of those that's, I think, kind of forgotten, and I think partially because it's connected to Mel Gibson and things Mel Gibson ask have kind of lost a little luster over the last few years, and I get that, but good is good is good if you can look past some things uh it came out in the mid late 90s called ransom and ron howard (laughs) directed it so you want to get the family together you need to keep them together in the first place but it's it's fun to watch but it's also got some weight to it it is about child abduction
1: the only part of ransom that i know i have not seen the movie before the only part i know is mel gibson screaming into the phone Give me back my
0: son! That was the Harrison Ford moment. Get off my plane! This is a good movie. It's uh all-star cast. Mel Gibson at the top of his game. You also have Rene Russo. They've worked together in the Lethal Weapon movies, and now they are husband and wife in this movie. Gary Sinise is a cop, and I don't want to give away any spoilers as to how things are going to go, but it's a great movie about um, this. I think he was a he owned an airline, was his, was his character, is what he did. And his son, who's actually the real-life son of Nick Nolte, gets kidnapped by this band of bad guys. And so he really is making this Mel Gibson character jump through hoops before Gibson has had enough. And he takes this ransom money, goes on TV, and says, this is not going to be paid out as ransom. Instead, it's a bounty on your head. And now the whole thing changes. It's a good movie. I'm not going to go into any, do they, does a kid come back? Who are the bad guys? I'm not going to get into it. But it's a very well-done uh, almost all star cast. Del Rey Lindo is part of that, and he's a great actor. You just don't see him anymore, and that's a that's a crime. But they don't make movies like this. A really smart, intelligent thriller. These movies just don't come out anymore, unfortunately. I don't Bit know why. Dark too. But, well, child abduction. Yeah, it would be dark. But Very, it's yeah. It's I'm not going to say if it has a happy ending or not. If it's a Hollywood esque ending, I'm not going to say. You're just going to have to watch it. Um, but it is one of those that um, it was a hit when it came out. I think it would be a hit today, but it's just kind of vanished. So if it was never on your radar in the first place, it's well worth checking out. Ransom, 96, maybe 97. I think 96 is what it's It was it 90s, yeah. Somewhere in there, mid-late 90s, well worth checking out. Ron Howard, very good on anything he directs. I don't care if it's box office hit or not. They're good. He knows what he's doing. Go check it out. Give me back my son.
1: Give me back my son. All right, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction with a couple of these ideas that I have now. And it's a, a relevant one for this year's Thanksgiving slash the time that we're in. So, in a week and a half from when we are recording this podcast episode, the World Cup kicks off. Yes, the World Cup, Soccer's World Cup, which is being played in November and December this year because it's in Qatar. Whole mess there. Yep. I could get into that if I had time, and boy would I be ranting if I did. We don't have time for that though. So maybe you are in a soccer watching mood during Thanksgiving, and you have some ideas of uh, you want to find some ideas for things to watch that are soccer related as you're taking a break from watching games. Good news, I've got a couple of ideas for you. So don't tell
0: me, this is alive.
1: One of Where the them, soccer
0: team crashes in the Andes and they have to eat each other? That, that's, that's not what I want. No, okay. no, nothing okay. like
1: that. Um, one of them is a documentary that's on Netflix. And if if you really like soccer a lot and you like documentaries, I, about this one, yeah. I highly recommend this documentary. Well, there's a lot of soccer documentaries that are out there. I think I know the one you're going for, though. We'll see. This one is called Take the Ball, Pass the Ball. Okay. And it's about FC Barcelona, one of the, the great – club teams in the world, Uh, one of the most well-known, one of the largest, and it talks about their best best run that they had, which was late 2000s into the 2010s, when they had Pep Guardiola as their manager, who now manages another club, Manchester City, when he managed Barcelona, they put together teams that were arguably among the greatest teams in the history of the game, with the incredible Lionel Messi at the center of it, who will be at the World Cup here. So they talked about how they became such a great team at that time. It's, it's a really fascinating watch as far as team building, as far as individual talent, philosophy. If you like soccer, you will really appreciate Take the Ball, Pass the Ball. And it's on Netflix. You get to hear from some of the central figures of Barcelona's amazing, amazing teams that they had in the late 2000s to early 2010s. The other one is a fictional movie and it's one I've talked about before. I think during the sports episode we we talked about this movie, Goal: The Dream Begins. If you want a soccer movie, sure, you could watch Bend it Like Beckham, you could watch She's the Man. I love Goal: The Dream Begins. It's I about like
0: Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to each their own <laughs> goal of the dream begins is about this this guy who is originally from mexico and and he and his family um end up running away to los angeles when he's young and so he goes from la to england and has a trial with premier league club newcastle united and he's played by kuno becker um, it's it's a movie that's kind of that's kind of a, oh, this person's in it. Anna Faris is is in the movie. Um, Goal of the Dream Begins is w- one of my favorite sports movies as far as soccer movies are concerned. Uh, oh, it's not Anna Faris. It's Anna Friel. There we go. In it. Yeah, Anna Friel. Um, she's in it. Uh, Stephen Delane is in it as well. So it, you have people you kind of point out and you go, oh, that person's in it. Plus, it's got a great cameo of who's who soccer stars in there, although their who's who soccer starts from like the mid-2000s, so it's a little bit back in time. But yeah, Kuno Becker, Anna Friel, um, and then Stephen Delane. And yeah, good cast, good movie um, of a guy following his dream of wanting to become a professional soccer player. And filmed within Newcastle as well, uh, Teesside, it's good movie. If you're a soccer fan, it's a little bit of a bygone time in in soccer, but it's... It's a good one. I like it a lot. You know, sports
0: and Thanksgiving go so well together. Everyone sits down and watches, you know, football or whatever the case, or pro wrestling was always a big one around Thanksgiving time. But so. in
1: this case, this year, there's soccer to watch. So it's really unique, and it's yeah, a good time if you, if you want to keep Qatar. it rolling. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the shame of it. That's its
0: whole other thing, but yes. well, the less said about it, the
1: better. So anyway, it, if you want to keep the soccer vibe going, Goal of the Dream Begins. I
0: got you. I'm picking up what you're laying down.
1: I'm, you know, maybe
0: autumn feels in a way, but um, it's just a good vibe. It's a good look. It goes well with Thanksgiving. Another one that came to mind it's a comedy, but it's got a little weight to it, and it's an Aaron Sorkin comedy, which it makes for a good time that an all-star cast that eventually spun off in a way into its own TV series was hugely regarded into the West Wing, but it started as the American president. You have Michael Douglas as the president. Funny enough, Martin Sheen, who plays the president Bartlett in the West Wing, is his chief of staff in The American President. So in a way, that's probably how he auditioned for the West Wing, was being in this. And he's more or less the same kind of character. Michael J. Fox is in it. Um, oh, let's see, we got Richard Dreyfus is in it as the political, uh, somebody to run up against. It's an all-star cast. It is a fabulous movie. It is a comedy. Annette Benning of course. And really what it's about is the American President is a widowed man. Uh, Andy Bartlett, I think, was the name of it. Or Andy, Andy uh, not Bartlett, that's uh, West Wing. Andy, it'll come to me. Uh, But Michael Douglas is the president of the United States, but he's widowed, and he's got a young daughter, and there's a lobbyist that comes to him to talk about cleaner energy, played by Annette Bening, and they have an attraction. So the question is, can the president of the United States go on a date? But it becomes its own big thing. Not every president was married. Some presidents that were married still went on dates. JFK, we're looking in your general direction, and Clinton comes to mind, too. Oh, boy. But then there Ugh. were some There were some widowed presidents. There were some single presidents that not only dated but also married while in office. I can't remember which one that was, but that's kind of what the premise is. And is it important enough that you think that this person can or can't govern because they're going to go on a date? Uh, Aaron Sorkin and his typical Sorkinisms, biting wit and the way that it shot. Um, this is him on his way up and uh, is, is a force in Hollywood. Rob Reiner directs it, so he's in very steady hand. Uh, it's an absolutely fabulous movie worth checking out. It's got just about everything you want. It is a feel-good movie in a lot of ways. Um, you kind of wish that things in Washington, D.C. and the White House were like this in real life. Unfortunately, this is a fairy tale, but if you want to go for the fairy tale, the American president came out and I think 95, somewhere around there. It's a fabulous movie, and I think it would go great for Thanksgiving. And it's more or less, I think it's PG-13, but it's not anything overly abundant. There's, I think, an Effenheimer in there that maybe is where it gets its PG-13 rating. But beyond that, it's you know appropriate enough, family-ish. So worth checking out, The American President. The
1: title might be a little bit off-putting because it's like, wait a minute, we just came out of that month. Why would I watch a movie that's related to that month? Well, if you want to continue to capture the autumn vibe around Thanksgiving time, I would recommend *October Sky* as an idea. This uh, this is a movie that I've not watched in a while. I watched it back when I was in grade school because of the historical element to it. So this is this is based on a memoir telling a true story about Homer Hickman, who's the son of a coal miner and who was inspired by Sputnik One and the launch of it, to uh, to take up doing rocketry work, and then eventually he became a NASA engineer, got some pushback from his father, who's played by Chris Cooper in the movie, but he was inspired by a teacher of his who's played by Laura Dern in the movie, and who plays Homer Hickman? A young Jake Gyllenhaal is who plays him. So, October Sky, good one, If it's it's got a little bit of a family-elemented feel to it, and um. It, it's still a really good one to watch today, and there's the historical element that's involved with it, too. It has been a while since I've seen this movie, but when I was coming up with ideas for this particular time of year and and maybe just hanging on to the fading threads of autumn, October Sky is definitely one to consider.
0: I saw that one one time uh, on video shortly after it came out, and uh, I liked it, but that's the only time I ever saw it. But I, I certainly remember liking it. I don't remember a lot about it other than the Rockets, but yeah, I remember. I would recommend it just even on my vague recollections of it. That's a good one.
1: Another idea this is a very commonly known movie. Maybe you haven't seen it, though. Perhaps you haven't Challenge seen it. Challenge accepted. If you're looking for an autumn movie, or even if you have seen it and you're just looking for it, to cuddle up in a blanket and get a certain vibe and feel that, that comes with this time of year, put on Goodwill Hunting watch goodwill hunting like that's that's a perfect one for this time of year there uh, there's melancholy there's sadness there's humor that's involved with it too it's the it's the kind of movie that you can grab a blanket and and enjoy but at the same time it's gonna hit you in the emotions
0: oh yeah huge sweeper for Academy Awards it made Ben Stiller and uh oh um, my Matt Damon's career because they
1: wrote the movie Ben Affleck by the way who did I say Ben Stiller. My
0: bad, my bad. My apologies. <laughs> ben Ben Stiller, we love you too, but Affleck and Damon did this one. Sorry. Different Ben's. Sorry, yes. sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, they won the Oscar for Best Screenwriters and in a very memorable Oscars moment as well. And they got a lot of help. Uh, Robin Williams finally won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, and he'd been up several times before um and he was an amazing actor as much as he was a comedian many drivers in it it's got a great cast great Stellan story Stellan Skarsgård. yeah he's one of his earlier starts it's a fabulous movie worth checking out if you didn't and it was one of those critical darlings that did a lot of good in the mid late 90s 96 97 somewhere in there i think is when it came out i've got one that i want to bring along that is it's an unofficial trilogy but uh, I've talked about my love for Star Trek very, very often. But let's get into the older movies from the 80s. They call it the Genesis Trilogy. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Three, The Search for Spock, and Four, The Voyage Home. We're talking about Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and I mean the original. William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, the whole cast, they're there. And the whole Genesis thing is a MacGuffin of those movies where it's about terraforming. Terraforming is a real concept i don't know if it's possible or not certainly not with the technology we have but the idea being is that you could terraform a non-living planet into something that could support life terraforming and that's what this genesis device is about life from death is what it's about and so that's the macguffin of those three movies in the background but of course star trek 2 famously has gone down as maybe one of the best if not the best star trek movie which itself is a sequel from one of the original series episodes
1: it was just on the big screen a few months ago. They
0: just re-released it. Unfortunately, the nearest screen was far, far away, and it was on like Labor Day weekend, and I was wrapped yeah. up in stuff, so the time was I asked was you if
1: you were going to be trying to get it would a go. I would
0: love to, but it's always like, yes, we're going to do it one night only. All right, I'm there on Christmas. Ah, why would you do that on a day where nobody can go and see it anyway? <laughs> What's wrong with you? So, no, I didn't get to see it. I've never seen Star Trek two on the big screen, and I want to. So if they ever do it on my birthday, I'm going. I don't care what the plans are.
1: Cancel the shuttle launch. We're going. That's like me when I was trying so desperately to watch Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen, and I finally, finally... Finally got to do it a few years ago. I'll yeah. get
0: to. I've seen many of them, most of them on the big screen. But up to a point when I was a kid, I didn't get to go see them. I saw them on HBO. That's how I first saw them. A uh, couple of spoilers forthcoming here, so prepare yourself. But these movies are old, so it's probably well-known by now. Star Trek Two results in the death of Spock. He dies at the end. So where do you go from there? Well, the next one, The Search for Spock, directed by Leonard Nimoy. And it's uh, a lot about sacrifice. It's a movie I don't think that gets enough credit. I don't, It's certainly not the shining gem in the Star Trek universe. It's, it's, it's a bit of a dip between Star Trek's two and four.
1: But it's also very you know, good. You know why? Because, spoiler, big spoiler, alarm bells going here. The Enterprise gets destroyed. There's that, too.
0: But the way they marketed that was just stupid because it was in the trailer. It was. Which was
1: stupid. You Come know? see the final voyage of the star the Starship Enterprise.
0: Yeah, but you know Come of, on. Part of the problem with that just a quick sidebar was it came down from executives that said, Well, we think the Enterprise should be destroyed. Why? Because to them, it was like getting shot down in your fighter jet. This is not a fighter jet. This would be like the sinking of an aircraft carrier. It's big. It's a capital ship. So we'll have a brand new Enterprise. But you know what it was? It was the same model, just repainted to include a Dash A. It's the same Enterprise from that perspective. So the post-refit Enterprise and the Enterprise A are the exact same ship, pretty much. Notwithstanding, so Spock returns at the end of Star Trek Three, but all the consequence of all the sacrifice and all the um, sabotage that they had to do in order to save Spock kind of comes around in Star Trek Four. But they take a detour on the way to facing their ultimate fates and the results of those consequences they find that there's a major crisis on Earth, and the only way they can save it is by going back in time. And the nice thing with Star Trek IV is you don't need to be a Star Trek fan to enjoy it. You just kind of know that, okay, these are people from the future. They've got a stolen Klingon ship right now because the Enterprise is gone. And they go back to 1986, which is where most of the movie is set as sort of a fish-out-of-water comedy, really. It's the closest straight-up comedy Star Trek movie there is. And after all the weight and heaviness and death and destruction of Star Trek two and three. You kind of need that breath of fresh air. And Star yes. Trek Four finishes it off well. It's not a true trilogy in what a trilogy is, but as far as what this MacGuffin is and all that spins off from it, all the other movies before and after are less connected to one another directly as these three are. So they're very, very connected. And, of course, at the end of Star Trek Four, we see the launch of the new Enterprise A, which, as we said, is the exact same model they use for filming, of the last Enterprise that they blew up in Star Trek 3. So it's, it kind of comes around, but it's, it ultimately has got a happy ending. It is good. It is awesome. And all three of them go well together. And if you feel like doing a little binge fest, there's three movies right there. That's something. And, and one more thing if you're not a Star Trek fan and you, you, well, there's so much. Where do you get on? Where's the ground floor? This is not a bad place to start. And if you like what you see, there's a whole lot of ways you can go from here. If you like things that are a little more modern, then there's a whole lot more and more modern shows. The next generation is awesome. They're doing a lot more better things on the small screen now. Strange New Worlds is another great place to start. I've just watched that series to its to where we are now. Love it. Great show. Highly recommended. There's what, a thousand episodes and movies? is a thousand hours of programming for Star Trek to watch. This is a good ground floor to to get in on.
1: Yeah, that's one of the nice things about Thanksgiving break is that it's a good time, like I said earlier with the Godfather movies, to be able to binge watch a series of some kind. You can roll from one into the other. And I think that it's a, a good break for you to be able to watch a longer movie as well if you would so choose. And to give yourself a chance maybe to watch a longer film that on a weeknight or maybe even on a Friday night, you're not quite as willing to watch, but you've got the time for it now on a long weekend. So I had a couple of long film ideas and I'm, I'm more of the classic film buff uh, amongst the two of us. And I like some of the, the sweeping epics of like the 1950s and sixties. I've, I've recommended a few before and I have a few ideas for some, if you would want to watch a few over the break and, and, they go back to what I was suggesting earlier regarding if you're looking for a war movie, this might be a good time to watch one here over over this break and to take in a little bit of a longer film in that way. The Dirty Dozen has been on Netflix for a while now. That is out there. as a, If you have Netflix, that is an easily accessible option is going and watching The Dirty Dozen that's out there. Classic war film, that one, and a really terrific cast that's in there too. I recommend that one. That's a good one. Definitely, great cast. Few other ideas I have of maybe maybe you've heard of this war movie movie, but you've not gotten to see it. I would recommend some that that are a little bit more along the adventure slash mission side. There are some very good ones that exist out there. One that comes to mind is the Guns of Navarone, about a mission to uh, into Axis-occupied Greece in the 1940s. Again, another terrific cast. That's involved with that one, trying to accomplish a mission. Same thing with what you get with "Where Eagles Dare," oh, yeah. which has Clint Eastwood and Richard Burton teaming up together. Um, and that's that's another mission type of movie that is is a really fun one and a bit of an adventure re- related one. And not the only World War II related movie that Clint Eastwood did. Of course, uh, we've talked. I'm pretty sure we've talked about Kelly's Heroes before. Oh, yeah. on this on this podcast so. and, and given some ideas for it. That's that's another good one. If you're looking for a mission type one, although that's a much different kind of movie, there, there's a different element to that one that that has some humor involved with it too. If you're looking to go off the beaten path and go a little bit of an anti-war related route, there's a movie I watched for the first time earlier this year that I recorded on TCM and went back and watched later. And I was like, hey, this is pretty good. There, there's some interesting themes involved with it. The Americanization of Emily, which has James Garner and has Julie Andrews in it. And is, is a, it's a dark comedy actually, too, and a war film, an anti-war type film. Mary Poppins? Um, what? Yes, yes. Very, very interesting movie that is set in London in the lead-up to D-Day. And it's all about, you know, kind of what makes a hero and how how a hero is perceived and things like that. Very, very interesting movie um, if you want to go on a little bit of a different different pathway as far as like, how, how does a hero get marketed and, and all that goes into that. And yeah, very interesting movie. It's, it's a comedy, but again, a little bit of a dark comedy related film and yeah, some interesting themes that come out of that one too. So a couple of war related movies that are in there, some of them sweeping epic types that you can really enjoy and, and that are of the adventure type. Um, and then one that's on a very different path.
0: You know, one that just kind of popped into my head, uh, you talking about that, I just had a conversation about this movie just the other day. That's, I think, another forgotten movie, and it's a war movie. Late 80s, it's from the Civil War called Glory. Oh, man. it just You don't see it anymore. What a movie. What a movie. This weekend on TNT, it's all about the war movies. You're going to get your Saving Private Ryan, but you'd never see Glory anywhere anymore, and it's an amazing story. It's a true story. Well, Matthew Broderick, why would he be playing a colonel In the Civil War, it's based on a real person who actually was – a little younger than Matthew Broderick was, and they actually look a lot alike. Robert Shaw was the was the guy's name. Yes. So, that, despite what you think, well, that why would that be? That's the way it was. So it's accurate. But an all star cast: Morgan Freeman, one of his first big roles; Denzel Washington, one of his first big roles from Saint Elsewhere, which is what he was doing on TV. Uh, it's Carrie Always is in it. It's uh, Andre Brower. If you only know him from uh, re, or from uh, uh, Brooklyn Nine One One, you're going to see a whole different version of him. Uh, and he's very well known as a dramatic actor. Not so much comedy, but he's clearly found his chops. So Andy Samberg has found a, a whole new side of him. Uh, but just real quick in passing, Glory, I think it came out in 89?
1: Yeah, all about the first black regiment that was assembled during the Civil War. Yeah. Very, very famous regiment that they— that was brought together and assembled, yeah, I, I read a lot about them growing up, and yeah, so seeing seeing glory it 's powerful, very very powerful movie,
0: I remember when I went to high school, our district bought the rights to show it in school, so that I mean it was an edited version slightly less uh, violent and gory. there are some moments where it 's you know bloody for what it is, but they had an edited version that we you know it was that important, so that we watched it over two or three days uh in junior high and high school doing American history. So there you go. Uh another one, we'll just do something that's kind of topical these days, but it's also uh, a fun movie, you can almost call it a comedy, but it's not, it's more of a dramedy in a lot of ways, The Social Network. You know, it's, oh, all, man. it's
1: all about I Facebook. I thought about suggesting The Social Network for this one. I was like, ah, you know, it it's kind of commonly talked about or at least it feels like it is. It it is still so incredibly relevant, isn't it?
0: And these days, too. I mean, Facebook became such a huge force, and it still is. But they have clearly got some issues going on. You're almost watching the beginning of their destruction, That transforming into meta, and all the money they put into this metaverse that just isn't happening, and uh, their involvement, uh, good or bad, in the political realm, and other entities tapping into it, and they're not making proper precautions and you you might be seeing the beginning of the downfall of Zuckerberg and Facebook which has now changed its parent company name to Meta because they don't want to be associated with their own brand anymore so it's become a problem but you watch how it all started which is what the social network is all about you, you don't think they had a few landmines in their way from their creation and down the road. Zuckerberg, by all accounts, is a very unlikable character and a guy. And they got Eddie, um, uh, Oh, Jesse Eisenberg. Thank you, thank you. Jesse Eisenberg plays the role. And the funny thing is, he and the other actor, Andrew Garfield, who would later go on to Spider-Man fame as uh, Eduardo Guardo, who co-starts Facebook with him, or The Facebook... They, in real life, are buddies, but they have to go against one another in so many scenes that it was intense and difficult for them because they have to be mad at one another, but they really became friends while making the movie by playing enemies, ultimately. And it was an interesting dynamic that works because you could see that difficulty between them. And it was uh, even Justin Timberlake, who's not really well-known as an actor, but actually has a decent role as somebody that's easy to hate in this movie, I guess. it's It's got a very well-known cast. David Fincher has got a style about what he does when he directs. And the social network, it shows it off in spades. Usually it's kind of uh, dark stuff, but this is honestly kind of dark territory.
1: Well, you you're left hating pretty much everybody by the end of the movie. Or okay, maybe not hating. You are left really disliking just about every character at the end of the movie. You don't like those Winklevoss twins. The uh, those Winklevoss twins. You which side kind of you kind of don't like Eduardo Saverin by the end of the movie. You definitely don't like Sean Parker, who is who Justin Timberlake plays, the founder of Napster. And you're definitely left going, I don't like. I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. By the end of it,
0: the best line of it is: I think it's one of the last lines in the movie, and I need to pair. I need to you know, pair it down because it does have a word I can't say. Oh, Rashida Jones! Yeah, yeah, it's you're not trying to. You're not a jerk, but you try so hard to be one.
1: It's just not jerk. I'm yeah.
0: pa- I'm paraphrasing the yeah. word, but you get yeah. the idea, and that's absolutely right. And just interesting aside, by the Winkleboss twins are actually played by one the person. The yeah, the Wicked Pie, plural, are played by one guy. And they it's really cool special effects to make them the twins. And now, funny enough, that guy, the actor, Arnie Hammer, uh, his career may be over for oh, boy. threats of cannibalism or something. Well, it's just, yeah, it went it's, a little off well, the rails.
1: It's a whole mess. I was going to suggest The Man from U.N.C.L.E., which we've talked about before, which is a movie I like a lot. But, yeah, if you're not feeling the whole army hammer side to it i completely understand i get that too
0: it's a it's a movie that i think is meant to make you uncomfortable it developed something that is absolutely or at least for what will in history be looked at as a footnote but a significant footnote in american history from the culture and how it bled over into everything else including arguing uh, influencing political elections it was something big and it is evaporating before our very eyes it's not what? meant to make you feel – it's not a feel-good movie.
1: It's a It's a hard one in a way, but it's apparently fairly accurate. One suggestion, too, watch the trailer before you watch the movie. We did an episode a long time ago on trailers. The trailer for The Social Network is one of the best that's ever been made. It is a spectacular trailer. I'm trying to remember it. Remember, it's set to this alternative version of Radiohead's Creep. That's being sung, um, and and it's just it's haunting. It's really well put together. It starts with all these different Facebook type images, and then it becomes this image of Mark Zuckerberg, and it takes you then back to the beginning.
0: I don't remember the trailer to it. I remember the tagline: "You can't make a bunch of friends.
1: You you don't which, make five hundred million friends without making a few enemies." Yeah, and that was the thing on
0: Facebook: we're all friends, but we've become the least friendly version of the U.S. society. To some degree, I think a fair amount of blame has to fall on Facebook for that. And that's not entirely its own fault, but it's one piece of a bigger puzzle, but a distinguished piece. So there's my social network. It came out in like 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. Um, But very good movie worth checking out.
1: And still holds up today. Absolutely. All right. It's kind of the movie of our, one of the movies of our times, quote unquote. Yeah. I'm going to go back a little bit to the 1960s. To a Steve McQueen, Norman Jewison collaboration. No, it's not the one that I always bring up and that I've talked about as one of my all-time favorite movies. It was their first collaboration, The Cincinnati Kid. Oh, okay. Really, really entertaining movie with an outstanding cast that's at the center of it, too. And it's The Cincinnati Kid is basically who Steve McQueen's character is. That's his nickname. Um, and it's, it's actually a drama film, but there, there's a gambling element. It's about this, this poker player who's trying to establish his reputation as, as being the best. And he wants to challenge this guy named The Man, Lancey Howard, who is played by Edward G. Robinson. And so it's this build-up to this big, high-stakes poker game that's between them. And there's a great cast that's revolving around this. Carl Malden, who's the close friend of the kid, Uh, Tuesday Weld, who's his on again, off again girlfriend. And then there's Anne Margaret, who's in there too. And she is the wild card. She is the wife. Yeah. Oh, she's the wife of Carl Malden's character, but she also kind of plays the kid a little bit too. And so there's all of this. That, that revolves around each other, and it's all building to this big, high-stakes showdown between the kid and the man, and they go up against each other. So very, very entertaining, very stylish movie, kind of a sign of what was to come with Norman Jewison and the kind of movies he was going to make and what eventually came with the Thomas Crown Affair, where he and McQueen teamed up again, along with Faye Dunaway. But Cincinnati Kid, very, very entertaining movie, and with a terrific... Title song in there that you only get at the very end of the movie from Louis Armstrong.
0: I'm surprised Elvis didn't do it since so he and, and Margaret had a thing going on. I think it was about the time they were making the movie, if I'm not mistaken.
1: One movie was enough for the
0: two of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the last one I put on my list is uh, another one. It's it's clearly a straight up dramedy, and it is historical. It's true. And what's more interesting about this is I saw the movie not knowing anything about the reality of it. And I was like, there's no way that was true. In fact, that was that one of the taglines of the movie. The most unbelievable parts of this movie are true. I was like, what? No. So I looked into it and I kind of did a little research. And actually, it really isn't that far from reality. It does what a lot of movies does. It'll take um, a couple things and put them together. It might stretch a few things just to make it work from a narrative standpoint. But the spirit of this movie And many of the details are accurate, as bizarre as Charlie Wilson's war is. This is a great all-star cast. Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's got an early role from Amy Adams. Um, uh, Um... Oh, the director's name is all of a sudden escaping me. I could see his name. He's married to Diane Sawyer. Um, ah, anyway, I'll get around to it. It'll come to me. Um, this is a true story about after the Soviets invaded Afghanistan in 1979. Charlie Wilson, who's played by Tom Hanks, who is a U.S. congressman from Texas is watching Dan Rather do a report wearing a turban on his head and wondering what the heck is going on. And and his character as a congressman, you'd think, would be regal and taking himself. Oh, no. He is a party boy. I mean, if Hugh Hefner made Congress, that's Charlie Wilson. He is drinking and drugs and women and he's just, you know, just living life to maybe more of a full degree than he should – But he really does care about things, and he really does care about the country, and he decides, long story short, that the Soviets need to get pushed out of Afghanistan. The Americans need to get involved in this, but in a very covert way. And if you know how history evolved from that, that did have a very direct role ultimately, not intended to, but bring around the start of the Taliban and Osama bin Laden, they were sprung out of this ultimately. And so it's it's a feel-good movie in a way, until the end alludes to where it is going, you know, ultimately, and so that people are responsible. But we did a lot of good things with this. But as the movie said, they just screwed up the end game. Had they continued to invest as they started, maybe a lot of that could have been headed off. But we're really good at going in and changing the world, but then we just kind of drop the ball. But the ball just keeps bouncing is one of the motifs of the movie. Um, Julia Roberts is in it as a wealthy socialite who's a very strong Christian who wants to push the Christian values into getting uh, uh, Arabs out of Afghanistan and all that. And Philip Seymour Hoffman plays an intelligence analyst. I think it might be one of the best roles I've ever seen him play. He just he nails it. And he just
1: That's very high praise.
0: It's high praise and I know he's got a lot of work in there and he's a very much a chameleon, but you wouldn't think of him uh as as like a spy, but he is and he does a fantastic job and it's based on real people and it's it's a fabulous movie well worth checking out. Uh, and it is extremely accurate. I don't know if I would show it in school as as something to prove history, but it's it's a footnote in history that's very very interesting that ties directly into much bigger things. But it's well worth checking out. Charlie Wilson's War came out in the late two thousands, I think uh, two thousand seven. It was eight, around that time, somewhere yeah. in there. Uh, fabulous movie. I can't say it enough. I think I've said that seven or eight times, but it's it goes without saying. Charlie Wilson's War.
1: I'm going to give a couple of rapid-fire ideas here as we get ready to close this out. Just if you're looking for a certain kind of feel and a certain kind of movie, here are a couple of suggestions that I have. So for starters, this one is new to Netflix. I just saw that it's on Netflix now um, last night. Notting Hill is on Netflix. If you are looking for a romantic comedy, something that kind of goes back a little bit to to a bygone type of movie, and yes, with an English vibe, I would definitely recommend Notting Hill. Very entertaining, very charming. Was it the
0: Julia Roberts commentary crossover that started that?
1: Um, not exactly. No, I had it written down anyway, <laughs> but it just it did launch that idea in my mind of, oh yeah, I've got that written down here. She and Hugh Grant are great. It's it's yeah. a great pairing on there. And the cast of characters who are around them help make it such a, a charming and funny movie. And yeah, the British humor that's involved with it is just It's great. So if you're looking for a romantic comedy, a feel-good kind of thing, again, grab a blanket and just enjoy Notting Hill. I hear that Horse and Hound gave it a high review. Horse and Hound gave it an excellent (laughs) review. Horse and Hound is a big fan.
0: Inside joke.
1: Yes. If you are looking for kind of an easy-breezy, fun, thriller-slash-thievery kind of movie, I'm going to recommend The Thief Who Came to Dinner from the 1970s. This has Ryan O'Neill and Jacqueline Bissett in it and the, uh, Warren Oates is in it as well. He's this, this investigator who's trying to track down this, this guy who leaves his cushy job, his cushy computer programmer job, and is, he's bored with it, basically. So he's like, I'm going to leave this and become a cat burglar. So that's what Ryan O'Neal does, and he works his way into these different social circles, and that's how he meets Jacqueline Bessette's character. But then he runs afoul of this, this guy who's played by Warren Oates, um, an insurance investigator who knows it's him, but he can't pin the crimes on him and is frustrated by the red tape, the legal red tape that's involved with it too. So it's kind of a fun, easy breezy sort of movie um, that that involves him trying to track them down and trying to get to, to them because he knows he knows that this guy is at the center of it. But Ryan O'Neill plays it so light and, and is always constantly keeping the investigator on his toes. It's, it's got kind of a catch me if you can sort of feel to it. Just, um, maybe not, not quite as emotionally hard hitting at the very end. Um, it's just, it's just light. So that's a light option. If you're looking for a drama and a drama that is a, a country Western drama, I would recommend ride the high country, which had Randolph Scott and Joel McRae teaming up, um, I forget which one it was who it was his final movie. Um it was it was one of them. But anyway, really really good movie about these two guys who are transferring gold together. Um, across this uh, across this kind of treacherous journey that they have to put through together. And then they have this ragtag group of people who they kind of encounter along the way um, as they are trying to fend off these different bandits and people who want to try to take this gold from them. So if you're looking for a Western drama that's a really well-made one, has some neat scenery and some classic actors involved, I would say ride the high country. If you want something that's a little bit more comedic and another classic, I would go with Robin and the Seven Hoods, Okay, a Rat Pack classic. I have seen parts of that. Ocean's Eleven is the really well-known Rat Pack movie from the 1960s. Robin and the Seven Hoods is is a funny one. It, It basically takes the Robin Hood concept and the Robin Hood story, and it puts it into Gangster Chicago. And... It's it's really funny, though. It has got it's got all the, the usual suspects. You've got Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, but then you have some others who pop up. Edward G. Robinson is in the movie briefly. You've got Peter Falk who's in it as Guy Gisborne, and then you have Bing Crosby as Alan Adale, who's in there too. And I just wanted to hang out together. Well, we'll make a movie while we do. Excellent. Exactly. It's a way for the rat pack to hang out together, and they get to bring some friends along too. And Oh, by the way, you have a wild card in there in Marion, who's played by Barbara Rush. And she is truly a wild card in there. So, very entertaining, funny movie um, that that you've got from the 1960s that brings the Rat Pack together and has them in... It's a musical, too. And the the concept is just... It's very, very funny, um, the way that they've got it in there. And, again, they take the gangster culture and they take the Robin Hood story and they find a way to put the two of them together. I've seen
0: bits and pieces of it, but I never watched it all. all, It looked interesting what I saw.
1: My final suggestion that I have, well, not a suggestion. It's actually a suggestion for me. So right now on Netflix, I am going through the Friday Night Lights TV series, and I have really enjoyed it. The second season frustrated me quite a bit, but on the whole, I have really enjoyed the Friday Night Lights TV series. So I am at some point here in the next few weeks going to watch – Friday Night Lights the movie. I've seen that. I, you have. Yeah. So that's a suggestion for myself, maybe for others that I got to go back and watch the movie now because I've read the book. Really enjoyed the book. It's it is quite a story. Um and it's the, this guy's observations of small town Texas that's all about their football team. But then the TV show is just awesome. There's there's such an emotional punch to it. There's there's a lot of good themes that are covered in it as well. I gotta check out the movie and, and see the movie for myself. So it's a that's a good movie. That's a self suggestion there too. I know Billy Bob Thornton is at the center of it as the coach, but yeah, I gotta check out the movie.
0: It's so. a good one. As, you know football and Thanksgiving are gonna go so well together.
1: Yeah. I have
0: one that wasn't on my list, but you kind of jarred it from my brain, and it's one that I've only seen one time. It was one of those that my dad loved, made my brother and I watch it this one time. It is impossible to find. So this is not only, it would be a good movie to check out, and I think it's got a good Thanksgiving vibe, but it's almost, accept this challenge, listeners, if you can find it. I thought this movie was from the 70s until I had to look it up. It actually came out in 1980. Walter Matthau is in it, and it's called Hopscotch where Walter Matthau is a CIA agent. Now, clearly it's a comedy, because Walter Matthau is in it, but he is a disgraced CIA agent who's working on something that he shouldn't be working on, so all his superiors are trying to get him off the hunt, but he is one step ahead of him, to the point where he is hanging out for a weekend in the CIA director's house while he is out in Europe or whoever trying to find him, and he's basically tracking all this stuff that ultimately leads him back to his own house. It's... It's a comedy, straight up, straightforward, where all these intelligent, bigwig CEO types, they think they know so much, they cannot catch this guy who is, I mean, he's Walter Matthau, so kind of his motif with that he was kind of a sloppy guy, but he was, you know, he had it all together, whether it was Grumpy Old Men or Felix Unger, he was the slob, is what he was, is the character that made it work. So he's the slobby CIA guy who may look like a slob, but he knows his stuff It is a hoot and a half. I've only seen it the one time, laughed and roared at it when it was one of those movies I felt I was being forced to sit down and watch. I don't want to watch it, Dad, and loved it. And so I highly recommend it. Hopscotch, 1980, Walter Matthau. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the cast, I had to look it up. Sam Watterson is in it, and he does everything so well. Ned Beatty is in it. Uh, Glenda Jackson was in it. Uh, Herbert Lom, you'll remember from the Pink Panther movie. Wow. Um, it's a great movie. 1980, Hopscotch, if you can find it, and that's going to be the challenge.
1: To be fair to Walter Matthau... I mean, he did play a serious role in the taking of Pelham one, yes. two, three. So yes. th- there were a few of them out there. But yeah, when you think Walter Matthau, comedy is often at the center. Oh, absolutely. Those those movies are so frustrating. Like that's when I would try to find the Ipcress File for the longest time, and then I couldn't find anywhere to get it on DVD. Thankfully, now I do have it on DVD. But. Those movies are are a bummer when you can't find them. As far as streaming, there's there's not a whole lot of on disc options that are out there too. Like there are some movies out there that are like that, but yeah, if you can track it down, good on you. Slight
0: sidebar here: we've talked before about how we can improve streaming services. I think streaming services needs to be a little bit more like a digital online version of a video rental store. And that's not just the hot, sexy titles that everyone wants, the new releases. How about the back room that's not, you know, the curtain for the kids not going in there? I mean the stuff that aren't the sexy, hot new releases, but they're great. I mean, I don't know who made Hopscotch. i would have to look it up, which studio it is and who owns the rights. Are they making any money off that movie today? Probably not, because you can't find it anywhere. I'll bet you if they came up with a bargain bin version of these movies to give the rights to for streaming rights, Netflix could have Lost Gems. Look up these Lost Gems. Maybe you've never heard of them before, but there's a reason why we call them the Lost Gems. And make something off of it. Even if the rights that you charge Netflix or whoever to air them for a while, if it's owned by, let's say, uh, uh, let's say Comcast owns it, then put it up on Peacock, because it's your movie. You own the rights to it. wouldn't cost any money you could loan it out maybe make a couple of dollars and you might get some people coming in saying there's some great content and there is because there's bajillions of movies that have been made and a stark majority of them are not streaming there's an easy fix to that
1: some of the problem too is that that these places netflix included are so big on new content and producing their own new content now that the older stuff gets kind of lost in the shuffle but i was just perusing netflix last night after i'd watched an episode of friday night lights and that's how i found some of these suggestions for today and i was like oh hey this is on there like on my personal list right now i i've got clear and present danger on there which is on netflix right now and i was like yeah i'll Check out another that's Jack Ryan one. movie because they've got a couple of the Jack Ryan movies. They've got Hunt for Red October is on there right now, too. So
0: I want to see the Jack Ryan series, but I think that's on Hulu, and I don't have that one. Yeah, that's it. Steve a, Krasinski, Krasinski, uh, Krasinski's on that. I, I hear it's good. I, haven't I thought seen that it. was Amazon. You could, it wanted, it's something I don't have.
1: But anyway, yeah, they're so big on the new stuff and creating their own new stuff, these places, that – some of those older ones, yeah, are, are less accessible than as a result. It's kind of hard to find them, to track them down. But.
0: but what is new? New is brand new produced. That means we're just in a rush to make anything and everything. And that's why there's so much C.R.A.P. that shows up in there that isn't necessarily worth it. If you were, I mean, no, I'm just going to make an example. If you're, say, Hooves Age, there's a lot of movies that came out before Hooves, even before me, that are great movies. But to me, they're new haven't seen them yet. I've actually never seen Dr. Zhivago. I like having a few classics that you know are good, that I know are out there, and I'll get around to them. I was just telling Hoove, I haven't seen Hoosiers yet. And it's a great movie. I think I'm about to finally break down and watch it. I just got it on a cheap version of DVD. Oh. I think I spent $4 on it. I know it's good. Near so and I'll, dear to my heart. So I'll probably watch it finally for the first time. It's a great Gene Hackman sports movie. A lot of these old movies, I don't think that Hopscotch and probably 30 other movies like that. Uh, are going to command top dollar for streaming rights because hop, huh, huh? What movie? How about throw them in as a bargain and you you pay a bottom dollar for it, but to get content on there that's brand new, put some trailers together that might entice you to want to see them, market it correctly, and people that aren't looking for it will stumble across it. Well, I liked him in Grumpy Old Man. This is a, well, sure, okay. And there you go.
1: I'll say content this content and
0: s- new content.
1: I'll say this for Dr. Zhivago you'll watch it once and I think you'll be good. That's at least how I feel about it. It's like I've watched it once. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> like, I mean, the music's great. the The setting, great. I mean, there's there's some great actors involved, but boy, you kind of leave it feeling a bit hollow yeah. at the end, or more Filled. than a bit hollow. Yeah, you're you're kind of like, great, okay. It's, you know, it's
0: like watching Citizen Kane. I've seen that a couple of times. You know It goes down even to this day as maybe the greatest movie ever made. And I saw it for the very first time, and I get why it has its legendary status. But the movie itself didn't really truly grab me. I'm thrilled I saw it. I've seen it since, and I wouldn't have if I really didn't like it. But I, I get why it holds that reverence. I hold why it gets that, but it's not... You know, it's not one that I would necessarily seek out. Oh, I can't wait to see Citizen Kane again. But if TCM's got it on and I'm flipping channels, yeah, I'll watch for a little while. I'd rather watch uh, The Third Man than Citizen Kane, and they're roughly from the same era. Okay, that's good enough. Yeah. But it's, it's just not the same. So, but there's a lot of great things to go see. Whether you find something in the gym, in the gem bin on your favorite streamer, or you still have a DVD player and some uncle comes for Thanksgiving, you guys are going to love this movie. It's called The Terminator. I don't want to see that. Just trust your uncle. It might be a really good show. That's where Uncle Dave and Uncle Hoove come in.
1: That's right. A few suggestions for you here on Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Don't forget, 5.50 movie nights on Tuesdays. We're recording on a Tuesday right now. And $6 student nights on Thursdays for, yes, students and faculty with ID. And of any learning institution. College, high school, yeah, you name it. Didn't so- I tell you this was going to become professional podcast? We had to clear our throat this morning. That's all. That's all. Sometimes it's just what you need to get yourself off and running. Just need to clear the pipes a little. Yeah, I guess. So, All right. Enjoy your watching over Thanksgiving. We might be able to squeeze in one more podcast episode before we get to that break, but enjoy your Thanksgiving watching and the ideas that we have for you. And until next time, I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will see you at the movies. movies.